All right, welcome to my podcast. Steve with me today. Steve's a truck driver. You've got a fabulous story to tell, Steve. This is um, blew me away when I first met you six months ago. Um, you've become a client of my accounting practice, but you're a truck driver. That's correct. Um, you have had sensational success with Facebook. Um, you posted a video on Facebook which went viral. We, um, you had, uh, what did it get to, 3 million downloads? Yeah, close to that, yeah. And you did it all from the cockpit of your Kenworth truck. Was Kenworth? That's it, yeah, Kenworth. Kenworth yep. truck with an iPhone 6. Mm. I mean, we've invested thousands and thousands of dollars into everything that sits in this room today. And, uh, I mean, it's a good story to realise that the... The technology pales into insignificance when you actually consider the the value of the story that you're actually recording. Mm. Well, when you look at the the video itself, the actual clarity of the video just with me sitting inside the truck is amazing just through a simple phone in a cradle on the dashboard. So now let's just go back. So this was, uh, what, uh, September last year, September? Yeah, September, October last year. September, October last year. Um... You were um, basically a uh, itinerant truck driver, driving all around Australia, picking up loads from one destination A and delivering them to destination B. You would go into a town, um, you'd look on the website Load Shift yep. and work out <clears throat> what, what sort of work was coming up and what the rates were and whether you're interested or not. That's right. You always have correct? to stay one step ahead of your, your freight and your, your loading and you would just try and find uh, loads ahead of every step that you were at at that particular point. Um, now, I did have trouble trying to find your Facebook video. I did eventually found it. I was blown away by it. But um, the, the thing that I did see was you had a number of videos on your page which were just like when a good song came on the radio, you just click record shoot the video and talk. Hmm. That's it. And that was to while away the hours, the boredom that you would get out in the bush, out in the road. And, um, yeah, some of the things that I would put on there, people found interesting. Um, a lot did, of people, actually. Did, did you, like, when you were starting off, you just signed up, well, you probably had, you know, like most people, 200 friends on Facebook? I had 113. And then what did... These little quirky little stories and, you know, great songs on the radio and pictures of, I don't know, stuff that is... Um, actually, did you do a barn find one? I did a couple of barn find ones. You, you, you sort of pull up and you'd find a old dilapidated shed type of thing and you'd get out and want to stretch your legs and you know, have a look through the corrugated iron and, oh, what's in there, you know? Oh, it's what, got old what, cars. Can you tell me about that shed? Because, like, it had... <clears throat> I think you said it had pigeon poop on it. It like did, yeah. A no, of nobody. Did. It was an old mechanics workshop um, going back from what I can work out. The last time it was actually used was in the early 1980s. Um, but the pigeons had come to rest in there and or roost in there, use it as their home. Um, it was amazing. It was covered in about three or four feet of pigeon poop um, right the way through, and there was a couple of old cars in there, an old HT Holden Ute and an old FB Holden Ute. Um, they were undercover. Um, but the covers were that uh, brittle from the weather damage or the, the acidic nature of the, the poop that would just crumble in your hands. But, um, yeah, you'd find all sorts of things out in the bush like that. What, what, what town was that in? Um, that was Oyen on the uh, South Australian-Victorian uh, border. Um, well, it was just, actually just on the main route to Sydney from Adelaide to Sydney, the way the trucks travel. But when there's yeah. signs up, trespassers, mm. 
prosecuted all yeah, of that? No, nothing like that. Um, what caught my eye was a for sale sign for the land. Ah. And I decided to have a bit of a wander around the land itself and then I had a look in the shed that was on the land. I suppose I shouldn't have even been in there, but it turns out it's, uh, it was a, a, treasure trove, a treasure trove of um, old artefacts and, and motor memorabilia from, you know, going right back to the turn of the century because there was um, old vacuum and plume uh, kerosene boxes or fuel boxes that they used to carry on the, the running boards of the old Model A Ford and, and uh, Model T Ford or whatever they had back in those days and went right back as far as that. But somebody just walked away from it in the early 1980s and, and nobody had ever been in there since. Are they still sitting there? They're still sitting there. Did anyone contact you about that video? Uh, lots of people, actually. <laughs> yeah. It was and more so the cars and the condition they're in. Um, they're actually in pristine condition for their age, and they've, they've just been forgotten about, and, and time has passed by, and, and they're just sitting there, but they're in fantastic condition for their age. Did you give the location to anyone, or no. it was top secret? No, this is, this is the first time that I've given the inclination okay, okay. to people. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I love that video. Anyway, sorry, can we get back to that point about the friends? So you had yeah. a low number. Very low number. And then you just started posting these videos, and it's everyone's dream. Like, I see YouTube clips all the time of, mm. how do I get my viewers up? But did, did it just... It just took off. Yeah, it, it didn't dawn on me at any particular point that this was going to explode like it did. I was... Um, I'm, I'm very... Uh, non-tech savvy uh, the only thing I really knew how to do was put the video onto Facebook and you know my small limited number of friends that I had at the time would view these things but uh, this particular load that I took out of Sydney which was a hay baler uh, to go to a little town called Hebel which is on the Queensland New South Wales border it's a pretty remote sort of area um, yeah I, I, I videoed the, the doings and goings of, of that particular trip but um Don't, can you not let the cat out of the bag just yet because yep, i just want to sure. build up to this yep um but i, I know where you're going and it's, it's going to be awesome mm. when it comes out but can we just so did you just see your number of friends and followers and views just slowly build well it, it, they sort of slowly built but what happened was people became really interested in what i would see through my windscreen of the truck um, because the average Australian doesn't get out into the, the country that, um, you know, I would or most truck drivers in Australia that, that drive in remote areas. And I do very remote type of transport out in the deserts and gas fields and oil fields and, and likes thereof and, and just go over wherever the, the, the road takes me and the load more to the point. But um, people started to become really interested in uh, the 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 geographical side of things of, of what I would see and, and you know I, I was taking them on a holiday all from the from from them sitting on their lounge chair in their yeah, house yeah. The, you're giving them a free bird's eye view of yeah, what free, it's like free to be tour of Australia yeah okay so before we we had that massive video did you have anyone reach out to you before that point no you didn't no. basically you didn't really know you no. like so you'd post a video and there'd be a couple hundred people watching. Well, that, that's basically it. And from the, those few hundred people, it, it sort of grew from there. But I didn't have any massive following or anything like that. And those 113-odd friends that I initially had were, uh, the bulk of those people were people that I actually knew and were, as I could say, Facebook friends and 
personal friends with myself. Okay, good. All right, now let's launch into this story. So you went on to load shift. <coughs> you saw this job come up for a hay baler. Yeah. You were in Sydney at the time. I was in Sydney. You had the truck empty. You had some time on your hands. Mm-hmm. And there's a hay baler that has to be picked up from a dealership and delivered to a farm at Lightning Ridge. That's correct, yeah. They were a little bit off with their um, location as far as the delivery of, of the, um, the hay baler went. Um, and as I got further and further down the road and when you make contact with the, the customer that you're dealing with in the initial stages, you start to realise that you've been given a bum steer. You know, you're not going to Lightning Ridge, you're going to somewhere completely different and I was going to, uh, well, I suppose the end point of, of before the, the actual drop-off of the machine itself was a, a little town called uh, which is on the Queensland-New South Wales border. And then from there, it was um, out onto the dirt roads, out into the middle of the bush, out into the middle of, you know, Australia, where really there's nothing. But actually, it um, runs close to the uh, the Darling uh, River catchment area, and there's a bit of irrigation sort of going on out that way with, with cereal cropping and, and likes thereof. Um, but the land itself is, is actually farmed, uh, in quite a big way, in a very, very big way, um, more so than, than I've ever really been used to. So so did they – you had to drive a hell of a lot further than they actually I, – I did, yeah. I dri- had to drive hundreds of kilometres further than what I was initially told. Lightning Ridge is an open mining area in uh, northwestern New South Wales and, and quite a popular area with the tourists also for people, obviously, that mine opals. And it was it became completely evident that I wasn't going anywhere not near Lightning Ridge. Um, at that point, you know, I really uh, cut my nose off to spot my face as far as the quoting of the job goes, as as payment goes, because I've quoted to Lightning Ridge, but I'm going hundreds and hundreds of kilometres inland. But that's dishonest and misleading. <laughs> like, it is. Why and, do people do that? I don't know. I, I really wish I knew because... Can, can you adjust your price halfway through the look, job? I, I did, but there was a discrepancy um, with the supplier of the machine at that point um, because it turns out he was an Irishman and he had no idea of, oh. of the, the, the geographical layout of the land or he was just using Lightning Ridge as a reference point to uh. somewhere that was close by and it's like, oh. So it's like saying you want something delivered to, um, you know, Catherine, but saying, well, no one knows yeah. where Catherine is, so it's Alice Springs, which that, is that's like correct. four or five hours away. <laughs> yeah, a bit longer than that. It's about, <laughs> but, uh, well, Alice Springs to Catherine is... 1,300 kilometres. Okay, so 1,300 yeah. mm. Okay. Mm. All right, I've got my numbers out a little bit there. But yeah. anyway, so, okay, so you have, uh, I think the relevance in that getting the, the, you know, the dealership who I, the dealership was the guy who logged the job? That's correct, yeah. Okay. So you've underquoted, you've readjusted the quote when you get out there, but you're running behind time-wise, aren't you? I, I am. And what happens is that I, I do a couple of little videos on the way out and, and I stop, but I'm always aware of the freight that I've got on board and the, the condition that it's in at the initial pickup and the condition that the freight has to be in at the end delivery point. So I take things nice and steady and, um, you know, look after everybody's interests as well as my own and, and you know, you've got to present yourself um, across all facets of the, the trucking industry in a professional manner where, you know, at the end of the day, the, the end result is what you started with at the, the start of the load. So when I realise that I'm going into the remote country that I'm in and I'm on dirt road, I start to... Um, adjust my speed to suit and I make a bit of a day of it and I'm just plodding along, plodding along and I've really got no idea where I'm going 
um, I've just been told to, to keep following this road and, and um, you know, sooner or later you'll get to, to somewhere and that somewhere didn't come. Um, and this was some, you know, six, seven, eight hours later and I'm, I'm still going and I um, started to... Uh, but, you know, you've got no phone communications out there, no radio communications oh, as such. Or there was radio communication, but you just didn't know who to speak to out there. You could have spoken to a, another property owner or something if they were close by. Or, But I didn't see anybody that day, not one one singular person. Um, but I, I, I stopped and did a couple of little videos along the way, um, just for something to do, you know, pull up, have lunch, that sort of thing. Um, and... As it was was going, the um, the property owner that was expecting the machine started to get a little bit worried because, um, in their mind, I should have been out there hours and hours ago. So um, what they did, which was a complete surprise to me, but I am driving down the road and I get buzzed by an aircraft and... Um, Can you explain what that means? Oh, well, I'm um, driving down the road and I've got a... Uh, on a dirt road, it's a lot of dust kicking up, and and what's happened is that the uh, the aircraft belonged to the property that I was delivering to, and they actually come out to to look for me. So the plane comes in really, really low, probably about um, you know one or two hundred feet above the cabin of the truck, and uh, we're on a, a straight stretch of road. And he, as he comes in, he uh, sort of makes himself known that 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 he's looking for me. It's like a, a, a an unspoken body language type thing where uh, you need to make communication with the plane. The plane needs to m- make communication with me. How do you do that? You obviously can't speak to each other, so he dips his wings from left to right as he's coming in. Um, d- just lets me know that, that, that you know, right. he's looking for me. So as it goes, I um, start to, to play with my... UHF radio, the you know, CB radio that truckies talk on, and it's got a scan button, and I put it on to scan mode, and I came across the channel which was the channel that the pilot was on, and he made contact with me, and uh, just said, "Look, you know, um, I'm with the station that that uh, you, you're travelling to. You're not too far away, of sorts, but we've been wondering where you've you've got to. We thought you'd got lost, and that was a high probability because of the remoteness of the area." Um, I had no idea where I was, none whatsoever. You know, the GPS doesn't work out there or anything. So um, he said to me, look, you know, if you just follow this road and follow the aircraft, um, you'll actually get to the property. And uh, I got to a T intersection. He buzzed me again from my right-hand side. I'd seen him do a bit of a loop in front of me and then just basically said, look, just follow me. And the plane obviously travelled a lot faster than the truck. Um, and I followed that road for probably about... Well, 30 or 40 kilometres and, and came to a gate at the end of the road and lo and behold, that was the property. So when I get onto the property, I see the plane over there, its land has been parked away um, and a, a young lad comes up and says, oh, you know, how are you going and, you know, glad you got here and everything else like that. But it turns out that um, the pilot of the plane was the young lad that I was speaking to and he was 15 and um, <clears throat> that sort of struck me as strange. I didn't know he was 15 at the time. He's quite a big, young, strapping farm boy sort of thing. Um, but as it goes, we start unloading the machine and a little four-wheel drive buggy comes up to us and in that buggy is um, Harry's father, Jason. And I didn't take a lot of notices of it at the time, but Jason's legs uh, 
somewhat strapped to the steering column of, of this four-wheel drive buggy. What I don't know is that Jason's a paraplegic and um, you've got to keep in mind that the, the story that I told after the fact was what I had, had seen on the day. So I got to talking to Jason after a while and, and um, I asked about his paraplegia and how that came to being and he said to me, 11 years ago, he was working underneath a big Caterpillar D9 bulldozer blade, uh, doing some welding on it, and there was a little kid mucking around inside the cabin. Now, we don't really know who the little kid was at that particular point. Could have been a, a farm hand or whatever, but they leant over onto the controls of the big blade of the bulldozer, and whilst Jason was working underneath it with a welder, the bulldozer blade came down on the back of Jason's neck and bent him over and snapped his spine like a twig. Now, from that moment on, he was uh, a paraplegic. But you've got to keep in mind that the remoteness of the area and help with, with um, you know, from the flying doctor or anything, is, is going to take literally hours to, to get coordinated, to get out there in any sense of the word. Um, so as time goes on, I get a bit of a tour of the farm and, and Jason's telling me, you know, about the accident and, and likes thereof. And um, I asked about the plane. I said to him, you know, were you flying the plane? And he said, no, that was my son, Harry. And I said, oh, how old's Harry? And he said, 15. Well, that blew me away. You know, this 15-year-old lad's come out to, to look for me. You know, I'm, I'm technically lost out in the bush and they've sent a 15-year-old boy in a, in a single-engine Cessna uh, out to look for me. It turns out that Harry uh, had a, a restricted licence where he could fly within so many air nautical miles of the property uh, whilst he was learning and uh, where he located me was in that, that sort of boundary. Um, so that was all legal in that part and he was learning to, to fly at that point um, because he was, you know, the backbones of the property. Uh, this 15-year-old boy was amazing. Um, he did everything for Dad pretty much and um, you know there's a couple of other farm ends that they they'd had that I hadn't seen at that particular point but um, I just you know assumed that that you know Harry and dad were the 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 brawns and the brains behind the business that I was was visiting so you wrapped all of that up into your video yeah, and did. yeah and the, the premise behind it that I took away from it was that you were saying um, that you know there's so many kids who are lying at home who struggled to get out of mm. bed in the morning and here we've got Harry up on this station which I think mm. you said it was about the same size as Tasmania. Oh, it's massive, yeah. It was probably a bit of an over-exaggeration but it was a big property. Let's not let the truth get in the way of a good story. <laughs> That's right, yeah. But it, yeah, as, as far as properties go, you know, we're talking probably millions of acres. You know, sure. Massive. So he's uh so if it happened 11 years before that he must have been four yeah he was only, um, only a little boy so he's gone through schooling to a certain point and obviously he's dropped out that's correct to run dropped, the farm. dropped out of school and, and come to help the farm and um this story that you actually told resonated globally it did yeah more than i expected it to uh, i was even aware that it would more to the point so you posted it from what i recall you had done that delivery and you're so emotionally um, moved by this whole experience yeah, of going to the farm. Mm. Um, did you drop off the header and then just leave or did you stay like I, I stayed for a little while, um, but it was more just a, a, a basic delivery and as we, we delivered the, the, um, the hay baler unit to the property, I left and I drove back 
along the dirt road uh, that the aircraft had come and found me on mm-hmm. and I drove back to the little town and I sat there in the truck for a little while and just reflected on, you know, how good and bad people's lives really are or how people perceive their lives to be in, in certain situations and and when you looked at, at what I'd seen that particular day, you know, I don't suffer any hardships or my children don't suffer any hardships at all. They might think they do, but they don't. Mm. Um, when you're, you know, 14, 15 years of age and you have to drop out of school to come and help run this massive property uh, because your dad's a paraplegic and you are, you know, basically the the, the brawn behind the brains of the business, um, it was an amazing thing that I thought that, that well, what's this kid got in his life, mm-hmm. you know? It, it's just work and family and looking after dad and, and looking after the property and, and just going, you know, to extremes where kids of today wouldn't even think of going. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in the one instance in, in the video that I'd, I'd mentioned that my son was 15 years old and you know this was a more of a, a video to him in a certain degree where you know it's like you know, mate it's time to get that mattress off your back get that little handheld controller out of your hands and, and step up and do some work so you're actually pretty emotional at this point yeah. when you sat down and you started shooting and it just all came out in one take yeah it did yeah I just didn't even really think about it I just let it flow and um I, you know, I, I'm no professional video maker by any stretch of the imagination. Um, <clears throat> and then, excuse me, I pa- posted it on Facebook, and then you know, the 113 friends that I had um, had watched it, and they, they were commenting on it. But then, what happened next was a bit of a surprise because they started to share it, and then obviously those people shared it and shared it and shared it and shared it, and there was um, some 70 odd thousand shares. Um, on, well, sorry, can you just give us a time frame on how long it took to get four days? Four days mm, to get to seventy thousand shares. shares. Yeah, and the most you'd so, ever had before that was a couple hundred. Oh, if that this just it, yeah, went bang. It did. It like took. It, 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 it took off. Um, literally took off. I was really blown away by the 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 response that I, I started to get and. Um, after a, a, a short period of time, we were into the hundreds of thousands of oh. views. Um, then, you know, uh, one of the mistakes that I, I now know that I made was I put my phone number on my Facebook page, um, which in running the transport business had its benefits somewhat. Um, you, you know, if people got onto that, and that was half the reason why I got onto Facebook was to try and promote my business a little bit and promote myself as a transport operator and provider. And um, But... The uh, the rest of the world got my phone number, and the phone went off and went off and went off and kept going off and didn't stop. Um, I ended up with um, well, you know, people still look at the video today, but uh, last time I looked at it, which was you know some many months ago, it was up around the two and a half plus million views with you know seventy odd thousand shares, but a lot of media agencies got onto this and started to contact me. So we've got the likes of um, the Courier Mail in Brisbane was the first one. Uh, then we've got some uh, uh, outback radio stations from Mount Isa, in one case, contacted me and, and wanted to do some interviews. Uh, went right through to the Alan Jones Network in Sydney. Uh, their people contacted me, 60 Minutes, The Project, Today, Tonight, The Current Affair, Landline, 
Um, what's the other thing they have on the ABC? Um, Four Corners. Uh, all these these you know national media outlets all wanted to know. It wasn't so much about my story, uh, but it was more about the young Harry story. Yeah, this young 15-year-old kid that, that I had seen in, in my own eyes and, and the way I envisaged that he lived. So, but you you protected them, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, I, I made the phone call back to... Uh, it was a courtesy call, actually, I made back to, to Jason to say, look... Um, I've done something. I felt really, really, really bad about making this video. I, I get the point. I couldn't live with myself. I, and I, I rang him up and said, "Look, Jason, I'm really sorry, but you know, my short visit at your property, I've made this this video sitting in the truck. Um, you know, telling them about you know young Harry and and yourself out there and your your, your paraplegia and and uh, um, it's taken off." People want to know about you. They want to know about me. They want to know about young Harry more in particular. Um, at that point... What did, they, he, what did he say? Uh, he wasn't very happy. He was pissed it, off. He was, yeah. yeah. So what, 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 just re, retell that story of the, what, what his exact words were, please, uh, just yeah. so that we can understand uh, it. Okay, it's so important. Um, at that point, Jason himself was going through a legal battle with the banks that I was not privy to at that particular point. Mm. Um, And any adverse attention at this point wasn't really wanted and or needed on on their part. They needed to uh, have their privacy uh, to to go through the motions that they were dealing with in their own personal life. Mm. I didn't know anything about this at this point, but when it was made clear to me about you know, the, the nature of, of the family and they're very private and and they didn't want to be seen as, as a, a pity case, if you like, where, where Jason's in a wheelchair, Harry's running the farm or helping run the farm more to the point. Um, they're very proud people. Mm. And I... Uh, what happened was with the video, I'll, hundreds of thousands of people wanted to go out to the property to help. They wanted to lend a hand. Oh. And, of course, they all start to contact. I didn't even think of that. Mm. Yeah, it's amazing how giving people want to be uh, when, you know, they, they see somebody in the face of adversity and they want to lend a hand. Oh, that's was, incredible. And, you know, I've, I've got, you know, hundreds of thousands of people contacting me. Well, eventually they work out who Harry and Jason are and they start contacting them. <gasps> so uh, oh, as no. the, the conundrum is here is that, that I've, I've dragged these people into something that they don't want to be dragged into at all. Oh, boy. So, as, as it goes, um, I smooth things over with, with Jason mm-hmm. and uh, um, just let nature run its course a, a little bit. And, and it didn't really die down, but when the media agencies uh, left him alone, they, they continued to contact me and, and wanted to know about the story, but I, I couldn't bring their story to you know, out on a national level, which most of these media agencies wanted me to do because of the privacy that the family wanted for themselves in regards to their own personal circumstance. So your hands were really tied. They were, absolutely. And you just, I think you told me before that you didn't answer your phone. No, no, I I, I just stopped all communication with the outside world um, because the influx of, of, of... people that I had into my life, I, I wasn't ready for it. You know, I, I lived a very lonely lifestyle as it was, uh, spent a great deal of time by myself and in the cabin of the truck, and, and it's, a, it's a hobo's lifestyle. Mm. But 
you, when you get inundated like I did, I, you know, you just don't know what to do. And, and I was feeling bad about the situation that I put this family in mm. and likes it off. So I, I basically ceased all communication with the outside world. Sure. So you sort of, um, went into, to, um, shutdown mode. Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah. Um, so I think it's really important just to, like, for me, there's a couple of important elements in that story that have just really struck a chord with a number of people around the world. And one is that it's there's a kid involved. Yeah. You know, I don't know what it is, but every time, you know, I get emotional or when you get huge numbers of people arriving at funerals and all that, it's all to do with children, isn't it? Like, it is. You know, absolutely. we, we um, as adults can do mm. whatever we like, but it's mm. the kids who have mm. pulled on the heartstrings, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And then the second component to this story that made it so sensational was the um, – you know the hard luck story, the adversity yeah, that they faced. Yeah, yep. You know, um, real struggle. I, I imagine that when you went there, one thing that would have touched you was the fact that he wasn't bitter. No, you know, no. apart from the fact that no, you dragged him into something he, he, he didn't he want to get dragged into. No, but yeah. he, you know, it was his lot in life. He didn't have a grudge against that little kid. That not at all. Not at against all. the no, control no. panel in the car. You picked yourself up, dust yourself off, type of thing, and just got on with life. That's it. If, yeah. You know, and there's there's that saying that if you know if you can't influence. Uh, something if it's happened and you can't go back and change it then there's no point in worrying about it because there's nothing that you can change and I think that's what happened in the end Kim where uh, the Gobbett family as a whole looked at what I'd done or had done with the video and realised that things really couldn't be changed except for the fact that I could have pulled it off the internet but you didn't and I didn't no um, I like that. But, yeah. But at that point it had gone too far it had been shared yeah, you know, many, you many thousands anyway. of times no okay. No. So. Wow. Okay. Well, that is an amazing story. Thank you ever so much for sharing that with us. Please go into the review notes. We'll have links to this actual video. We'll have snippets of it. Um, But uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel and please write a favourable five-star review on our our, uh, page on iTunes. Thank you.